Welcome back in everyone to another fantastic episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a great episode in store for you today. We are joined today by the two artists behind the incredible show, Small. We have the writer and performer, Robert Montano, and the director, Jesse Hill. Again, they're both with Small, which is playing now through September 2nd at 59E59 Theaters. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting 59E59.org. We had the pleasure of seeing this show last week, and it was absolutely fantastic. So we're so honored to have our guests on. So let us welcome now Robert Montano and Jesse Hill. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you. Thank you. I am so happy to have you both here. As I mentioned, the show was fantastic. The storytelling was incredible. The journey we went on. Amazing. I mean, I, I can't stop singing the praises for the show. You, you only continue to live up to our 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 kind of reputation with 5959 that there's nothing bad that ever plays there. And in fact, I feel like you've kind of raised the bar, Robert, with this show. And I want to start with you by having you tell our guests a little bit about this show small that you've written and you perform. What what is it about? Well, it's about <clears throat> my uh trials and tribulations when you know when I I wanted to be a racehorse jockey when I was a kid. The moment I saw and was introduced to thoroughbred racehorses on that fateful afternoon that my mother had brought me really right from church to Belmont Park. And I fell in love with them. And because I was bullied as a, as a child and because I was really, really a lot smaller than most of the kids in my, in my class at that time, I had been taken by these athletes, these jockeys that, that came out and were given the respect by the people. And I thought like, wow. And then they, they get on top of these 1,200 pound animals that go very fast. And I thought like, I wanna be a part of this world, you know? This is a place for me. But unbeknownst to me, during my growing years, and I was growing, not thinking that I would, it just came at a very inopportune time when I was embarking on getting my jockey's license and I, I, I just, I was battling Mother Nature, and I became a jockey. I rode only seven races. I was mentored by Robert Pineda, who was an amazing rider and amazing person. He, unfortunately, had, had been killed in a race, and his brother was killed three, or, three years before him. And, yeah, so I, I didn't know what to do with my life. I was getting bigger. I, I couldn't make the weight anymore. I didn't know what to do. So it was during the disco era and I was finding myself going to clubs to let off steam because I, I, like I said, I was in such a quandary of not race riding anymore. And that's all I ever wanted to do. I, I lived it, breathed it, slept it, ate it. I mean, I just, it was all about racing. And when I couldn't do that anymore, I found solace at the clubs and I was able to get out my angst and my my passion there of, you know, whatever feelings I had about Robert's death, about being alone, about not fulfilling my dream as a jockey, about feeling like a failure. And it wasn't until, you know, honestly, a beautiful girl came up to me and asked if she can dance with me. and and. I was the last person that anyone would want to dance with. I mean, my teeth were so bucked and they came out and they were like weapons. I mean, I, 
I could hang clothing off of them. It was that bad. And, and she asked me to dance with her and I was floored. And that, and that, that was a turning point for me where I thought like, wow, you know, maybe there's something to this, you know, and as a child, you know, I was influenced by Peter Gennaro on the Ed Sullivan show, Cheeto Rivera on the Ed Sullivan show, who was now one of my producers of the show. It's, it's insane, you know, and that I've, I've even worked with her, but uh, Soul Train was also an influence. And then when I was uh, of that age, you know, seeing Saturday Night Fever, I was taken by that. And I, and I thought like, okay, you know, and my father being a college professor, none of us went to college, you know, except me. And I auditioned and got, was given a full scholarship in, into the dance program at Adelphi. And I just had a, just as much a natural affinity for horses and being on top of them. I had good hands riding them, but I also felt the rhythm and the beat of the music and it moved me in, in ways that I, I never really thought that you could make a living out of something like that. So that's the direction I went into and found much more success than race riding. I love that. And it is just the, the story that you tell and the way you tell it is, it's incredible. It will keep you... Hang on. It is like watching a, a horse race. It really is. It's so <laughs> exciting and intense and you don't know where things are going to go. So I love that. Thank you. Now, where Thank did you, you come up with the idea to take this story and turn it into a play? Well, it, 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 it had gone through a, a couple of channels and stages. Originally, I wanted to write it as a one-man play and I couldn't figure it out. And this was about, I don't know, 25 years ago. And I was starting to write it and I thought to myself, you know, 25 years ago, didn't really have much awareness about sound design and all of that. Wasn't really prevalent at that time and used very much as it is today. So I kind of like canned that idea and decided to write it as a novel. I submitted it to Random House. They wrote me a beautiful letter that I still keep. And they said, you know, we love your story, but we're dealing with another book called Seabiscuit. And I was like, it has nothing to do with that, but okay. And then I, I, I gave my manuscript to a friend of mine who was this prolific writer, God rest his soul, Terrence McNally. And he read it and he said, you know, Robert, you really got to write this as a film. This is so visual. So I did. And I called it Under the Wire at that time. And it had been optioned twice. But both times I had, you know, an agreement that if they skewed too far from the uh, story that I could take my script back at no cost. And I did both times. And they were throwing me good money. And that just, you know, I'm a son of an artist. I don't, I'm not controlled by the dollar. So I, I took it back, I shelved it. And I was approached by a director who I've worked with a couple of times. And she said, you know, Jackson Gay is her name. And she had approached me about the idea of writing Under the Wire as a one-man play for her to direct it and for me to star in it. And I said, no. And it took her two and a half years to coax me into doing it. And I started writing it and she said, this is the right direction. But then at one point, I, I, I really needed her more than she can give me of her time. And at that time, you know, I had this, this literary agent who said, you know, I have a wonderful director who really specializes in a solo place. Do you mind me giving it to her to read? And she said, it may not be your cup of tea. And I said, yeah, sure, yeah, give it to her. And two days later, Jesse had called me up and said, I'd love to meet with you. And 
you know, would you be open to the idea of reading it for me? And so I did. And then she said, you know, I'd love to be a part of this. And we talked about ideas. You know, I asked her what would she bring differently to the table? And I was like, you're in. I mean, that you're it. And she was like, don't you want time to think about it? And Jess, you can quote me on it or not, you know, <laughs> correct me. But uh, I remember it this way where, where I, I had said, no, I just have a, I run on my, my, my visceral feelings. And, and, you know, I said, nah, you're, you're it, you know. And she said the right things. And, and here we are, you know. And she really did heighten and bring the script up to a place where we're at right now. And even when we did the play at Penguin Rep about a year ago, it has even transformed even more so since then where we made it more of a dance you know in between characters and scenes you know so this way it was constantly fluid you know and that that's that's that was on her her brilliance to 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 get us to that place yeah love so that <laughs> well that's a great great way to bring in our other guest our director jesse hill and jesse i kind of want to build on that and and ha hear how you came on this upon this piece i mean he mentioned that you got a phone call from his former director and said you know you should check out this piece you know can you can you kind of pick up the ball there and tell us more about your mm -hmm. side of this mm -hmm. uh yeah i mean it's all he's on point with most everything i somehow got into the solo show racket a long time ago <laughs> I, I, I think it was because i was an associate artistic director of a company that had a pretty well-known international solo show festival and so i started my career in new york constantly interfacing with solo artists looking for directors and and that's just really where the opportunity was so you know it, my agent can't help but say you know i specialize in solo shows but, you know, I had never even thought of a solo show before I moved to New York. So it's a, it's a thing here. <laughs> so, and, you know, agents do that. They try to get both of their, you know, a couple of their clients collaborating so they can capitalize. You can't blame them for that. So anyway, so, yeah, she called me and sent me the current draft of the script. And at the time it had ended, Bobby, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the ending was the truth, yeah. which is that you just like went up into the stands and bought a couple of frankfurters and an ice cream and yeah that's how that's how i was eating ice cream and you hear the the horses are approaching the starting gate they're at the post and it goes to a blackout you know while i'm eating ice cream but then jesse you know yeah yeah so i you know as i got to know bobby over a few months i became obviously very aware of his career as a dancer and an actor and I, I just could not help but say, you know, actually, that's quite a story. How, how does a jockey become a dancer on Broadway? I mean, that's the story. It's crazy. It's <laughs> utterly insane. Like, you'd never think of that. And so I think I, I, I didn't even really have to talk him into it. He was game. He, he wrote that part of the story. He wrote a new, his new ending, which is where he's at now well, his life can i interject on that of course yeah yeah because it was that it was that day when we met and i said so so what would you bring differently to the table yeah you said uh um well it may cost my opportunity here but <laughs> and originally i had videotapes you know and pictures behind and yeah. she said i get rid of them because you know what you're doing is you know 
more interesting than seeing pictures of people that we really don't know. And she said, and I did some research, you're a dancer. And I was like, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> and I tried implementing that before, but I thought like, where is it gonna come from? People will never really believe the truth of it, you know? Yeah that, that uh, uh, I became a dancer uh, from being a jockey. And, and, sen and then she started, you know, asking me the right questions. And I was like, and there's her brilliance right there. I was like, okay, so now I, I'm finding areas to implement areas, you know, and connect the dots a lot. Like, you know, for instance, you know, uh, talking about Bernardo in the beginning and Soul Train and Peter Gennaro, you know, it's been placed. And then later on about opening a book and, uh, you know, reading about, you know, jockeys and them being small and horses and equating them to ballet dancers. So we were finding areas and, and that was, you know, really because of Jesse's idea. So anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah. And I think I, I, I mean, I can honestly say that the potential that I saw in it and I think why my agent thought of me for it is I, I tend to take a very actor centric physical theater dance approach to most of my work. It's really my primary interest in the theater. Acting is my first love. And I, my strength is making very detailed movement-based, very energetic physical theater. And I could see automatically, just like Bobby had a good feeling about me at the beginning, I could just tell that he was going to, he had the work ethic and he had the, the talent and the, passion to go to the the place that I like to go so it's a it's a great showcase for me too I get to kind of you know do my director thing of hiding in the in the corner while he he does all the all the things and you know I really put I I feel like I really pushed you this time and I thought he's gonna say nope I'm not going there <laughs> I'm not a spring chicken anymore kid <laughs> but he, he, every single time he nails it. And we have a really great communication style. He, you know, we're, we're human. So occasionally we have misunderstandings, but for the most part, I, I poke him and he takes the note and we just collaborate really well together. So we just, we overall, we've had just had a blast, so many laughs and yeah, we've been working on it together since 2017, pretty regularly. So yeah, it feels like a big, uh, you know, finally, you know, it's born. And yes, we did it at Penguin Rep, but we were just talking the other day about how it was just the beginning. Yeah. Because we were just working on the script more than anything. And this time we really got to work on the moments and the storytelling. Yeah. And connecting the dots and, and yeah. making it more physical. And which is why I look so tired. It's been a long week. <laughs> <laughs> Your first true seven show week, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's been, it, and we've had a, a lot of laughs along the way. I mean, it's been, it's been fun. It's been fun. It's been, you know, and it's nice working, you know, one-on-one -on -one and, and not having to, you know, deal, you know, I mean, I, I could have written this as a whole play where I had other characters and hired more actors, but I thought to myself, okay, you know, once my, my feet were put to the fire and I decided to start writing this, I was like, okay, here we go. And I know what I'm about to take on. And, and that was a scary part about it because it was all these different characters. You know, there's 24 of them that I get to, to, to you know, play with, you know, every night. But yeah, it can, it can be uh, tiring. But at the same time, I got to say, really, it's, it's scary, but it's also 
fulfilling and exhilarating. It, it, it just is. It's, I've never done anything like this. I've seen people do one person plays and, and I thought to myself, how do they do that? How do they do that? You know, I, I, I just, there's no way I could do that. No way. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I'm scared just even the, the thought of it. But when you finally find something that you're really passionate about and that you want to say something and share, I, I find that I, I really, really genuinely cannot wait to get on the stage to tell the story because I'm, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have fun doing it. I, I don't always feel that way about other projects, but and not because I have written it. But yeah, there's a big part of it about because why I had written it and to share all these different characters that have influenced my life in, in so many ways, you know, and have given me that structure and discipline of how I conduct myself in anything I do because of what I've learned on the racetrack by these people. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. I love all that. I can tell that you two are, had so much fun getting this on its feet and bringing it to its current uh, form, its iteration, if you will. So I want to ask you two, what is the message or the thought that you're hoping that audiences take away from the show? And Jesse, why don't I start with you on that? Well, I, I think everyone, most people know what it's like to chase something that you really want and chase it and chase it and chase it. And for whatever reason, it doesn't work out. It just won't happen. And at a certain point, it ends up worse for you than it is for anyone continuing to chase this thing that you can't have, whether it's a, a dream or a love where it's not reciprocated or you know whatever it is, we all have been there. So it's about that process of dreaming and loving and then letting go and it's always painful, right? But I think it's as simple as, you know, one door slams in your face. And I believe this always, whenever a door slams in your face, another one is right there to open up for you. That's always been true for me. And I think it's true. And so hopefully at the very least, and I think it's as simple as this, it's not complicated. You, you know, I hope the audience is thinking about their own journeys in life and when that's happened to them and you know that we're all where we really need to be at in our our journeys whatever's happened to us that's that's how I like to think about it ah. and Robert what about you I mean of course this is your story what what is the message or thought you hope audiences take away yeah I I I tend to agree with Jesse you know about it being about hopes and dreams and broken dreams and perseverance and you know it's I decided to write this because I, I also wanted to, you know, speak to the average person out there. There are more of us average people than there are the constant winners, you know. And I'm an average person. And I also deal with broken dreams and, and perseverance. And I equate this sometimes, uh, my story, to the Rocky adage. You know, it's not how many times, you know, you get hit. It's how many times you get back up. And for me, that's what I want people walking away with that, yeah, I was beaten as a jockey and I was beaten pretty good and bad, but it's what you do going from there. 
and and I I decided instead of wallowing and going to drinking or drugs, I wanted to make something of myself. And I found another passion and another love. And why not? It's never too late to chase that dream. So that 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 for me is a, is is what I would hope the audience walk away with that if they have a hope, if they have a dream, that it's never too late to go for it. And they should. I mean, we're on this earth to live. So why not take every chance and opportunity you can get to make that living moment a reality and happen? Yeah. Yeah. Great messages that audiences should take away. My final question for this first part is, who do you hope have access to the show? And Robert, I'm going to start with you on this first. Well, I, 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 think, it's, I think it's for anyone who is 12 years old on up. There really isn't a preferred group of people, but because there uh, is profanity and, and you know, other elements that people may, may feel a little, you know, queasy about. But at the same time, you know, I, I think those people will understand the situation that I had gone through if it, if it speaks to them. So, I mean, really, it's, it's really about age. So I have a daughter and she's five years old and there's no way on earth I would let her see this. So 12 years old on up, I, I, I think for me, uh, any, anyone sh- should or could come and see this play. I would, I would, I would prefer that, yeah. Uh, Jesse, what about you? I agree. I think it is important to point out that Bobby's had a kind of wonderful experience of doing it for the racing community recently in Saratoga. So yes, it's for everyone 12 and up, but it also, and I, I didn't get to see this performance, but I can imagine how different that was Bobby to do it for the racing community where they really know the they're not you're not really teaching them anything like you are a general audience you're trying yeah. to try to get all the details right <laughs> well yeah if i could piggy bang yeah yeah that, you know that was my scariest audience because they'll, they'll tell you the truth and and they did in a very very positive way but at the same time they also shared with me god this is so universal and uh, this is not just for racetrack people or horse lovers it's not about that it's it's a bigger story which is uh, like that like i said a lot of them use the word it's universal you can be in any kind of a job and if you're dealing with situations that you're not happy with or or you're struggling with it's how you get out of that and, and make it work for you and for me that was the biggest win when I did it in Saratoga, even though I was sweating bullets and I was sweating bullets because they'll tell you, but they also told me by them standing up on their feet at the end of the show with tears in their eyes and, and smiling. It was, it was very, very moving. A, a buddy of mine, Gary Stevens, who was in the movie Seabiscuit, he ends up riding Seabiscuit for Toby Maguire. He just cried in my arms and he said, thank you. Thank you for telling our story. And I was like, blown away because Gary, first of all, he's a Hall of Fame jockey and he was a great rider. He's retired now. But for him to say that, along with my dear, dear friend, Richie Migliori, who 
he broke his neck and his back twice in his career as a jockey and, and has won over 4,500 races. I got the same thing from him and Johnny Velasquez. Uh, all these jockeys, you know, that come up to me and, and said, you know, that this is a universal story, but it's, it's what you do with your life when you're knocked out. switch gears now and i want to give our listeners a chance to get to know the two of you a little bit more and i want to start by asking the two of you what or who inspires you what playwrights composers or shows inspire you or are some of your favorites okay i'll start yeah well i think i already started to talk about this when i i was just thinking about this the other day when i was in a conversation thinking about some of the my most favorite theatrical experiences as, as an audience in my career. And they're always actor centric. I always think of these amazing performances that just blow me away where all I'm focusing on is the story and the humanity and the, and the, the, the moment with the people. I rarely have a moment of inspiration that's about a helicopter flying through the theater or, you know, some bell and whistle that's happening. It's, it's usually you know, uh, the the gravitas and the virtuosity of a performance. I always find that inspiring. A, an amazing performance can carry me through a whole week when I'm just feeling like, why did I choose this theater racket as a profession? <laughs> so that amazing performance will get me through. So I think, it, you know, that's a general, a general response, but it's really true for me. I love all that. Well, Robert, how about you? <laughs> You know, I mean, there. That's why I referred to Jesse because there's so many people who have inspired me. Too many, too many to. But I will say, zeroing in on this instance of of putting this piece together, I had been watching a lot of a pal of mine, John Leguizamo's one man plays, and Billy Crystal. You know, I've been yeah really peeled to. One man plays like Chaz Palminteri, Bronx Tale, who I got to work with on a workshop of a musical. And when he went off to do his his one man show, you know, he invited the company to come see him, and he was extraordinary. So I found elements that were uh, very inspiring to use as uh, mechanisms to write small. But yeah, I mean, there's so many heroes. Cheetah Cheetah Rivera is the hands down one of my heroes too, and 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 inspired me as a dancer and yeah writers like jose rivera i just yeah i just i I mean there's you know you know when you when when you have so many in your head that you can't even mention one (laughs) (laughs) right now but yeah but as far as inspiration is concerned uh that's one of them i i'm not someone who even though i'm italian puerto rican i I, I don't I, I don't have that affinity to 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 spout off lines from Godfather and whatnot, you know. So, but there are yeah, like Gary Oldman. Uh, oh my God, I can't believe it. I, I'm I'm just I'm just dropping his name right out. Right, it's crazy. I, I had so many actor heroes too that uh, have helped me along along the way. So, anyway, yeah, 
If it comes to me, it's going to come to me after we finish this. You know that. I was right? going to say, as soon as we're done here, all of a sudden it's going to be like, wait, can you add the right. following names, please? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of building on that, let me ask you too, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? And Jesse, why don't I go ahead and bounce to you on this first? Well, I mean, it's a collaborative art form. I I started studying as a fine artist. I was going to be a painter and, you know, really, really believed that that's what I was going to do. And as soon as I got exposed to this collaborative making thing, luckily, you know, in middle school, there was just nothing like it. There's nothing like being able to make something better than you could have ever thought of yourself just by having someone else reflect on the same moment and then you get to build on it and it's just fun. It's fun. It's just, there's nothing like it. And it's, it's actually the reason why I never really got into TV and film directing, even though I did explore it because the experiences that I had on it weren't as, as collaborative as I had, had hoped. And there's also something about process, like working some of the most satisfying experiences I've had in the theater are at, like this one, very, very long processes where you really get to try something out in front of an audience, go back to the drawing board, have an epiphany, go back to it the next year. It is the reason why this project is so magnificent, why it's at the level that it's at, because we worked on, on it for so long. And it is something that I hope that I can be a part of changing in the American theater in the long run is this, you know, we're in, we're stuck in this kind of formula of, you know, hurry up and rehearse it for four weeks and then you do it and then it's over. But there, there really is something about, you know, letting something stew, you know, cooking it in the crock pot instead of the stove, you know, the stove. <laughs> it's, it's, it, the work is deeper And theater is really the only place that I found that kind of kinetic, you know, artistic inspiration. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Absolutely a thousand times. That's a great answer. Robert, what about you? I agree with Jesse. I mean, I I love the collaboration of it all. I do. And I love the spontaneity of it. You know, I didn't think I was, you know, when you're on the back of a thoroughbred racehorse and you're getting loaded into the starting gate and you got... 1200 pounds of voltage between your legs you don't know whether they're going to go up down left or right they can they can kill you in a second so you got to be aware and you got to be very very present but i also found the same thing in live theater and i've had people ask me you know do you what do you prefer live theater or doing film tv i said live theater always that is my always go-to there are no second chances you know it's one take you're on I love the immediacy of the uh, audience's response. But also, I love being in a rehearsal uh, studio. And I have a thing where, you know, I, I always say, and Jesse, <laughs> say, but, you know, I got everybody in a the, in the group, you know, my stage manager, Karen Curley, and, and the lighting designer and the sound designer, and everyone's in. I always say, all right, what is it time to do? And I say, let's fuck it up. <laughs> And that's what I, you know, that, and that's what it is. You know, you get to fuck it up and, and uh, try new things and, and not be afraid to go there, even though sometimes I go like, okay, all right, I don't want to change it, but you know what? Let's fuck it up. Let's try it and then let's see what happens. And, and very often, you know, when I do that, uh, I discover something new and even better. Uh, there was a moment that a Penguin rep, they got a little nervous about me at one time, you know, 
vomiting in front of the audience or, or at least what's the word that I'm trying to find Jess, you know, uh, pretending, you know, yeah. gonna... yeah. and I was like, ah, ah, you know, I, I don't want to let it go. But I thought to myself, okay, let me fuck it up. Let me, let me see if I can come up with something uh, uh, even better. And I did. And I thought about it, and, you know, and, and Jesse and I, we also collaborated on that moment, you know, and, and we made it much more theatrical where I, I face up stage and a light drops. And, and it's like my moment to God of saying, screw you and then vomit, you know, it's a, it's a tough moment, but, but again, you know, it's, it was a thing is, you know, as we say in this business, especially to writers, you got to learn how to, you know, kill some of your babies and, and, and that's it, you know? So if you're not open to that, I, I think you're at a loss in this business and the experience of it all. And if you want to take the risk, if you want to take that chance, you got to be willing and, and open to do that. Yeah. Sometimes I hem and haw, but I eventually, you know, I do give in because I, I need to see where it's going to take me because, and Jesse, when she, when she puts me on, uh, on the plank, <laughs> And, and puts me on the edge. I go like, ah, okay, let's give it a shot. Let's see what happens. And, and we do. But I think that's, uh, that's the fulfilling part about doing live theater as opposed to film TV. There's so many other elements and we call it hurry up and wait. And I don't like that. I don't like it. But you do it. But I find my love and, 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 and my, my joy and passion is really, really uh, on, on the stage. And they should pay more, though. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> we have now arrived at my favorite question to ask guests, and that is, what is your favorite theater memory? Well, what popped into my head may sound general. There, there's honestly too many. I went, my first trip to London was a seven-day trip, and I saw a show in London every single day, and they were all great. I was blown away by every single show. And I was at the airport thinking, how do I stay here? <laughs> Everything here is awesome. I've never seen a bad show in London. That was the first thing that I thought of. Oh my gosh, I completely agree. In fact, we're getting ready to take the show to London next week. And as we're, oh, getting, yeah? we're picking what shows to see, we've got we've only got four shows that we get to see. And we look at the whole table of stuff and I'm like, yeah. how do we do this? How? The last and in all all cases, I was sitting. I was in the rafters. I was like behind yeah. a pole in the cheap seats, and they were still amazing experiences. Yeah, I looked at my wife when we were there in 2019, and I said, "Look, if you want to work here, mm-hmm. I won't be mad. <laughs> I fully support you." Yeah. Well, yeah. I- well, they treat their artists differently, and they, you know, they subsidize the work. The government subsidizes the work. It's just like a whole other. I mean, it makes it possible for them to, yeah. to do the work that they do. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure there's a bad show there somewhere, but I never saw it. <laughs> I love that though. That's wonderful. Robert, what about you? Yeah, I have to say when I when I saw Gregory Hines in Coming Uptown, the Winter Garden Theater, it's when I first was coming into the business and I was really blown away by his performance and that I went, I saw the show at least four, four or five times, if I recollect correctly. And the reason why I did that was because he always had this, this tap dance break that he did differently all the time. And every single time he did it and I waited for it, I was like, none of that I remembered. 
because he was always different, but he was extraordinary. And he was just, I mean, amazing that he was able to, to do that without any fear. And he would just like, you know, so I, I uh, and then ironically, my very first Broadway show was in that very theater, you know, and doing Cats. But I was like standing on the same stage, same space that I got to see Gregory Hines do that show. And yeah, that was one of my favorite yeah, moments. And also I'll say this, and I just loved, I know it's not a theater experience, but at that time, walking past the Eurus Theater and seeing Sweeney Todd there and, and sophisticated ladies at the, at the Lunt and all these different shows, Evita at the Broadway, it's like, oh my God, this is so rich. I mean, theater and Broadway is so alive. And to be a part of that community, I was blown away, you know, that uh, uh, I was aspiring to get there and eventually getting there and just feeling so proud. Oh, I love that. Another great set of memories. Both of you, thank you so much for sharing those. Those were fantastic. Well, are there any other projects or productions that either of you have coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? Well, we are going to People's Light in Malvern, Pennsylvania with the show in a few months. And we are also going to the Lyric Theater in Oklahoma City with the show. And we're, we've got some prospects. We're look at, looking at, you know, aspiring to doing this regionally a yeah. few times as long as, long as Bobby can can do it yes um, possibly so definitely want to pitch that yeah we're possibly doing it at, at also the signature theater in washington virginia west virginia i don't know but, you know but that's a that's that's also up for discussion right now but you know i mean i i i and because of this whole writer's strike there's really nothing on the horizon for anything else but small i mean doing it wherever you know jesse and i can take it would be great I, you know, Steve Cawthon, who the jockey, and he had won the Triple Crown in 1978. He's been talking to me about trying to get it to Keeneland and doing it there. But yeah, I mean, if I could do it, you know, in, in like some major cities, you know, I'd love to do it at the Geffen in California, Los Angeles, and maybe someplace in Chicago. And ultimately, hopefully making it into a film. But my way, I'll shelve it if it's not going to be done in a way where I can look at myself in the mirror the next day and be happy with it. Because I, like I said, I'm a son of an artist. I will not sell out to the dollar. And that's just how it is. But, well, finally, if our listeners would like more information about Small or about either of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do that? Well, they can go to thesmallplay.com. They'll see information. Also, you know, they'll see a video on there. For, for people who have come to see the show, 59 has been sending out thank you notes after they see the show. And there's a video on there of more of the journey uh, of me dancing. Yeah, you see some footage of me dancing at Adelphi University as a, as, a, as a senior and some other pictures of other things, you know. Yeah, so the smallplay.com and Instagram, it's small to play. They can also go to Instagram, the Robert Montano. 
So if they want to write there or something, they can, they can feel free to do so. Yeah. And for me, I'm jessedhill.com. And my, my company is also associate producing small flying carpet theater.com. Wonderful. Well, Jesse, Robert, thank you so much for taking the time today to speak with me. It has been an absolute joy talking to the two of you about this amazing show. And I appreciate you just stopping by and sharing your wonderful memories and your insights. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate it. My guests today have been the writer and performer Robert Montano and the director Jesse Hill, who are part of the show Small, playing now through September 2nd at 59E59 Theaters. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting 59E59.org. We also have some great contact information for both of these artists, as well as for the show, that we'll be posting on our episode description, as well as on our social media posts. And you're going to want to make sure you follow them and the show because the show is continuing past its run at 59E59.org. It will be coming to a city near you, so make sure you stay tuned for that. But right now, make sure you run. Don't walk. Get your tickets now to see Small. It is a fantastic show. We cannot recommend this enough. It is really wonderful. You will be captivated by this story, and it will take you places you did not see coming. So make sure you see Small now through September 2nd at 59E59 Theaters. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. Hello.